Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke, to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, today we are talking about growing a business, starting a business, a lot of different things about a business. Uh, We're bringing on John Meese, who is a author, entrepreneur, worked real closely with Michael Hyatt for a while, helping him on some stuff. I came to find out that he's actually an economist. So he's got a wealth of kind of expertise and insight on a whole bunch of different levels about business. And he just finished up a book that I'm really excited about that I'll tell a little bit more about. But essentially, it's called Survive and Thrive, How to Build a Profitable Business, Any Economy, Including the World that We Live in Now. So we're going to chat with him a little bit about some of these things. So John, thank you for taking a few minutes to come chat with us today. Bob, thank you so much for having me. It's it's my joy to be here and to serve and show up in any, any way I can. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I'm excited. We have a lot of people who who I'm talking to on a regular basis who want to start a business. It's been something they've had the itch. This is something I had for many, many years long before I ever took that venture out into entrepreneurship. And so... Let's start by talking to those people and the ones who are maybe terrified to start a business right now because it's post 2020, everything's changing. Like, what would you say to someone who feels like that? Well, I think it's it's fair and accurate to say that a lot of things are changing. I mean, we're in the midst of a cultural global shift, the likes of which we haven't really seen in you know about 40 years. You know, it's crazy. You think about this, right? Like in in history books as kids or teaching our kids, we read about things like there was like the Stone Age and there was the Bronze Age. There's these different like sort of periods of time throughout history. And you don't think about the fact that people lived through that, right? Like there was was Mm -hmm. someone who one day they had their whole business, their whole lifestyle was built on the stone technology. And then bronze came along. And all of a sudden to stay relevant with the world, they had to dramatically shift everything. Well, the same thing is going on right now because we're in the midst of the shift from the age of information to the age of insight. Now, it's easier maybe to grasp our hands and wrap them around like a a stone or a piece of bronze and think about that. But insight is so much more, it's a bigger shift, but sometimes it's harder to grasp unless you really dig into it a little bit. But if you think about it, I mean, first of all, Bob, we're here on a podcast, right? Over the magic of the internet, right? This information that even a few years ago would have been crazy, right? I mean, with the dawn of the internet, with the dawn of computers, humanity had access to unprecedented amount of information. And that was really cool and exciting until we crossed this point where it became overwhelming, where we're spending 99% of our energy ignoring notifications, headlines, ads, information, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, curiosity is kind of dead because if you want to know the answer to something, you just pull out your phone and type a couple of words and therefore, you know, the answer to anything in the world. And that's led this overwhelm, which is where we get this shift into the age of insight, where now people are looking for people like you, Bob. There are people who listen to this podcast that are saying, I want help to understand. I don't need to go read 100,000 articles about personal finance. I need to actually find that one trusted expert who can tell me, what do I need to know? That's a global shift. And what that means for entrepreneurs is that there's this massive demand for people who are looking for their 
guru or their expert to help in them understand the world. This is an act of service to actually yeah. create a real solution to a real problem for real people. Okay. So what I think you're saying, what I feel like I'm hearing you say is that the value now is not in creating information, but in curating information. Mm-hmm, exactly. Way to say that. Okay. So as an entrepreneur wanting to start a business, you know, and there's different types of business and directions. Like we can be talking about a lot of different things, but based on what you just said, this idea that we have crossed over from the information age to the age of insight, what does that mean for me if a, if I want to become a professional Instagrammer or if I want to start a restaurant or like, let's just apply that to a yeah. couple of different businesses. What does that look like? Well, I mean, in some ways you could say every business today is an internet business, right? Because even like your local restaurant has takes online orders or your local, mm-hmm. we've got a, a toy shop outside my window here in my office and they sell toys for kids. Well, they have an online store so you can do curbside delivery. So the internet's just part of every industry now. So we can kind of set that aside as it used to be a category, right? Or if you're an internet business or not. And now it's just kind of part of everything. But so the most important thing to think about is the fact that what you're selling to someone, what you're creating with your business is a solution. Now a solution, there's a lot of different formats for that. And this is true across all time, but just look talking about right now, if we break business down, it's creating a real solution to a real problem for real people. So if you're a restaurant, Well, the solution you're creating actually probably depends on which real people you're serving. For example, McDonald's, which is a restaurant, I mean, technically. So McDonald's, their solution is that they wanted to create, you know, cheap and convenient food for people who are on the go, who don't have a lot of time or a lot of money. And so it's like, that's their real people are these people who are on the go who are busy, don't have a lot of time or money. And they want to create this real solution of saying like, look, that's their problem. We want to create a solution of this, you know, cheap, convenient food that's everywhere in the world. And so that's their solution. Other businesses. So for example, Barino's is this restaurant. There's only one location. Sorry. There's one restaurant here in Columbia, Tennessee, where I live. It's a Southern Italian fusion. It is one of our favorite date night spots because it was created specifically for this. It's not like your upscale, like your, you know, $100 plate kind of fancy, fancy anniversary dinner. It's like, you know, it's more than the average Chipotle dinner probably, yeah. you know, but it's, it's crafted as an experience. So you walk in, you're greeted, you're welcome to this table, you sit down, it's luxurious and leisurely and they bring you the food, they have specials, they have a very short menu and it's all amazing. So they're catering to a different audience, right? In both cases, we're talking about food allegedly mm-hmm. with McDonald's, but still with burritos, definitely. Uh, in both cases, we're talking about food, but the real solution you're creating is different. Here, we're creating the solution of an experience of savoring the moment, savoring the food and creating an opportunity for connection and conversation. So you see this in every industry that if you're interested in serving people and looking around and seeing there are real people with real problems, you can create a real solution. That could be food. That could be a blog. That could be a podcast. That could be an online course. Solution obviously is a pretty broad category, but the most important choice is who the real people are that you're serving. And if I could just make emphasize one point on that, once you realize that entrepreneurship is about solving problems for a profit, the reality is today, after the chaos of 2020, the question you'd ask yourself is of the people I care about in the world, do they have more problems or less problems than a year and a half ago? And that's, you mentioned Michael earlier. That's a question Michael Hyatt asked his business accelerator clients and, and shared that question with me as well at the beginning of the pandemic and lockdown when people were saying, oh my gosh, our business is you know going out the window. Nobody needs us anymore. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. do your clients have more problems or less problems than before? And everyone said, well, yeah, they have a lot more problems. He said, okay, we'll start 
start solving those problems. Each of yeah. those solutions is part of your business. Yeah, because I think we all saw this in whatever early mid 2020 mm -hmm. as this whole thing was really affecting a lot of businesses. We saw some businesses kind of be very strategic about that and identify mm -hmm. different ways to solve problems. And so, I mean, you know this all throughout Nashville, probably throughout the whole country, we saw restaurants getting really creative with how to solve the problems of whatever. And I saw restaurants mm -hmm. like making these packages, like even selling toilet paper during that whole frenzy, you know, and on one hand, you could look at that as, man, that's just desperate, like, you know, grasping for straws, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, they're meeting the needs of their customers. Like, so there's some creativity mm -hmm. there. And at the end of the day, like 100% agree with you. I've said that over and over again, like business is about solving someone's problem. Like mm -hmm. that's what it is. Essentially all business comes down to that. And so I love that. That makes so much sense. Well, and if I could just provide one example of that locally. Yeah. So Puckett's, which is a you know local restaurant chain, they've got great, just good barbecue, good Southern food. At their Nashville location, they realized that they had this catering truck, which wasn't going anywhere, right? Because there weren't any events to cater. And so they repurposed that catering truck. This is in the middle of like coming out of the lockdown, you know, and no one's really going out to restaurants yet. You know, this is sort of like April, May of 2020, but they, all their staff are back and they're trying to figure out how to keep people busy and serve people. They repurposed their catering truck as essentially like a custom food truck. And they went into target neighborhoods in Nashville and they had families buy like a family pack. So they weren't selling like individual meals at the window. They weren't yeah. set up for that. They just said, look, the people that would normally come to the restaurant don't feel comfortable coming to the restaurant right now. Let's bring the restaurant to them. And you still have a family of five who's saying, look, I'm tired of cooking. I've cooked all of my meals for the last 30 days. Yes, I will happily pay for a warm meal that I can share yeah. with my family. Yeah. And that's one way that they showed up to continue serving their audience. Yeah. That's cool. So let's talk a little bit about, I want to talk about um, this point here. You talked about these five ways to grow a business. And I, I yeah. think this is super insightful. And I love the framework here, the mental framework. So let's talk about this. So you said these are the five ways to actually grow your business. So can you chat about each of those? Sure. Well, it's easy to think there's a thousand ways to grow your business. And there are probably a thousand tactics, right? Or specific yeah. things you can do. But if you go macro for a minute, just big picture and say, the reality is if you want to grow a business, there are really only five growth models that you can pick from. Now, three of these come from Eric Rees. He wrote the book, The Lean Startup, and he introduced three of these. And then I tacked on two that I think are separate from those three, really. Yeah. So one of those is viral growth, also known as word of, word of mouth marketing. The key thing that sets viral growth apart is that it spreads much like a virus. Uh, if you can imagine how a virus spreads from yeah. person to person. The idea is that it's not just, you don't have to be there, right? Patient zero doesn't have to walk around and spread the virus. It spreads from person to person to person. That's word of mouth or organic marketing which by the way, includes most like organic social media would be under that. Uh, yep. Paid growth is pretty simple in theory. If you're putting a dollar in to ads of some kind, you need to get at least a dollar and a penny more, or you know that would probably yeah. be a bad ROI, but you yeah. get more and then you pay. The third is sticky growth. And this is about developing irreplaceable infrastructure. This is actually, I think, one of the hardest ones to start with. So I don't typically recommend it, but if you can figure this out, this is amazing. QuickBooks is one of the best examples of companies that does sticky growth. Bob, do you use QuickBooks or something like that for your business financing? No, I hate QuickBooks. I think it's one of the worst pieces of software ever created. <laughs> but, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, Yeah, well, yeah. no, no, but that's okay. But what, yeah. So what do you use instead? Um, I don't know. Whatever my accountant does. I don't do anything okay. anymore. Oh, no, great. we use okay. QuickBooks Online. That's what it is. I'm sorry. QuickBooks Online. Okay, so you, you do use QuickBooks. You just, I do yeah, use you, it, not in the traditional software form. Yeah. That's great. 
Yeah, I use QuickBooks Online as well. But the point is QuickBooks has become synonymous with accounting. And there are actually a couple other platforms that out there that do uh, what QuickBooks does even potentially better. But it doesn't matter because once you have years of history in QuickBooks, once that's where your invoices are coming from, once that's where your payroll is or any of that stuff, you're not going to switch. It's irreplaceable. The switching cost is too high. And so QuickBooks can invest in having a sales team and massive national ad campaigns because they know that if they get you hooked once, they've got you for good. And so that's where sticky growth comes in. So SEO growth, I should say search engine optimization for anyone who's not familiar with the acronym, it's kind of like viral growth and the fact that it's spreading from person to person, but just robots are involved, right? So Google. So if someone's asking a question online, they're finding your answer in the term in your content. And that is a growth strategy, as is affiliate growth. The biggest difference between affiliate growth and paid growth is that with paid growth, you pay first. So you pay Facebook, or you pay for a billboard, or you pay for a sponsorship on a podcast, and then you hope you see results of some kind. But with affiliate growth, you only pay affiliates a commission if they get you a sale. So it's also typically more relationships heavy. But those are the five. So the key here is actually not to do all five. It's to pick one, hyper-focus on it, and grow your business that way. Yeah. You can add on more later once you've got a team to really focus on that. Yeah. And so I, and I love thinking about it this way with my business because yeah. So we started hundred percent on the SEO route. This is in 2007, had a friend who was running a really successful online business, taught me everything he knew about SEO. I began reading everything I could learn. And that was how we got our business off the ground. And that was how we started. And so almost all of our traffic came from Google because we learned how to we learned how to write the right content and how to get the links. And so, yeah. And so we did that for a long, long time. And then uh, as you you mentioned, like we began adding in some of those other things, mm-hmm. you know, like through that, we began getting some word of mouth stuff, some viral stuff, some stuff was doing really well on social media. We have had some successful things in terms of paid, doing some paid traffic like that. We don't really have the sticky thing at all. That's can in I, terms of can I give you an something example? that like, gets you and holds you and never lets yeah. you go. But uh, the, the affiliate thing we've done a little bit of as well. But yeah, yeah, because I think we tend to think there's so many different ways to grow the business. And, and you're right, tactics. Yeah, there's a lot of different tactics. But I love just thinking that, oh, they really all kind of fall in these five categories. It's well, really and since we're talking about personal finance, I'll mention another personal finance person who's probably well known from this area who has an example. I can give a couple examples of where he's leveraged sticky growth, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. One of them is that he created an app called Every Dollar, which I think oh, they yeah, may yeah. have rebranded as Smart Dollar. I'm not exactly sure about that. But regardless, it's a budgeting app, right? It's, yeah. it's like Mint or YNAB or any of those. Again, it's it's sort of like QuickBooks. It's actually a very similar idea. It's like once you start tracking, this is where your budget is, and it becomes part of your daily or weekly habit, it doesn't really matter if somebody comes along and offers you a better deal. It's got to be really good, or they have to do something really wrong for you to want to yeah. switch away. So, yeah, well, and it's funny, like I'm thinking about banking, one of the banks that I still bank at that I wish I didn't um, (laughs) has made my life so difficult in so many ways, so many times. But to your point, like the cost of switching and not financial costs, but like the time cost, the mental Mm -hmm. cost, like all these Mm -hmm. things have just made it to the point, like, I don't have time in my business day to go out and switch everything over to this new bank and do all these direct deposits over, like, you know, yeah. especially when it's my business account. There's so many pieces moving mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like, I just need to suck it up. Well, I mean, it is a sticky business because if you think about it, your bank, 
it's a really bad deal, right? I mean, they pay you almost nothing in interest for, you know, like most traditional banks pay you less than half a percent um, in interest on, on whatever money you have there. And it's typically most banks, you know, still aren't really up to date with online stuff. So you still got to like, you got to check 17 checkboxes or go to the office to sign a form. You know, you don't really, you have mediocre customer support, but yet we're still customers because it's because they've got that sticky growth. It's like, it's just Mm -hmm. too much of a pain to switch. So I'm not saying that sticky growth is an excuse for building a business where you have a poor product, but there's actually more grace with it. If you can get sticky growth, right. Casey Graham has a company called gravy. And that's a great example of where they found out that they've got sticky growth in the beginning of the lockdown last year, they were worried because he was saying like, I don't know, are we going to lose all our customers? Because their whole business is that they work with companies who have recurring subscriptions and they help just collect failed payments. Right. So if you've got a bunch of people who are paying for your app or your membership site or whatever, and they're paying on a monthly basis, a certain percentage of those are just going to fail every month for one reason or another. Could be insufficient funds in their bank account, could be their card expired, they didn't update it, whatever. So Gravy has a team where they literally just reach out to people and just follow up with them to try to recover those customers. Yeah. And then that was something that, and they consider that it, then it's, it's all Gravy, whatever gets added back into your business. Well, sure enough, during the lockdown, when most companies were kind of firing all their marketing agencies, they were like, oh, no, 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 not you guys, because you're straight profit, because we know every dollar you save for us is valuable. Plus, nobody wanted to hire their own, like double the size of their customer support team to handle the failed payment recovery that Gravy's handling. It's sticky growth. So they found that out. So yeah. they lost one customer and gained, I think, 30 or 50 in the first couple months of the lockdown. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about types of products and services, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just what comes to mind for you in this era for somebody, you know, so where I was many years ago when I wanted to start a business was I want to start a business. I don't know what kind of business I want to start. I just want mm-hmm. to be running a business. That's kind of where I was. And some people think that's insane. And there's some people out there who get that. But for someone like me at that point who wants to do something, are there directions, types of businesses that you think make sense at this point? Yeah. I mean, I genuinely think so. And I have a, when I have a playbook, a kind of fill in the blank business plan that goes along with the book, survive and thrive. And that playbook really starts with the most important decision is who are your real people that you're serving? Some people call this your target customer or your avatar. The reason why I say real people is because so many businesses create this sort of like imaginary person or this category of people that may or may not actually exist. And so I really want to know is who are the real people you want to serve? What real problems do they have? And then what real solution can you offer? And once you do that, I mean, we could talk about the product suite in terms of what you should do based on that. But the reality is it really does vary person to person. Like, so I don't think I can kind of make a, you know, sort of like an edict of category wise, which industries are good to be in. But I would say the companies that did really well last year and who continue to do well this year are those that they have a pulse on their real people that they're serving and how those real people, those needs are changing and that they're able to serve those. So if you can do that, I mean, that makes a lot of things easier. I talk in the book about uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of marketing. You've probably heard it referred to as either the hierarchy of needs or the theory yeah. of human motivation. Yeah, but I think of it as marketing. <laughs> yeah, the hierarchy of marketing. The reality is that when we talk about who your real people are, the next step is to kind of figure out where they are on this pyramid, right? Which is where a question of what their most immediate needs are. And Abraham Maslow came up with this theory, which seems to be true, which is that it doesn't really matter where you are, what you're doing. 
if all of a sudden you're choking on something and you can't breathe, nothing else matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're at a fancy dinner with a client, you might be able to win that would double your revenue next year and you start choking, nothing matters except for getting air, right? Yeah. And so yeah. your physiological needs are at the base of the pyramid. You have to get those first. Once you check those boxes where you've got your you know, food, water, air, <laughs> you've got your basic yeah. physiological needs met, the next is your safety needs. Are you in a safe environment? So are you in a maybe violence-free area, but also this includes mental safety. So are you surrounding yourself with people who help you feel safe? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have a roof over your head? Things like that. And then comes love and belonging. Do I have healthy relationships? Do I have a family? Do I have friends? And then esteem needs, also known as you know respect um, of your peers. And then finally, self-actualization or achieving your full potential. So the first thing you need to do is pick a group of people, your real people. But immediately after that, you have to ask the real people that you're thinking about, where are they on that pyramid? Because last year in March of 2020, almost everyone got knocked down to the bottom tier. Almost everyone on the planet was all of a sudden worried, how do I survive? And then all of a sudden we started worrying about how can I stay safe? Once everyone locked themselves in their house and then said, okay, now no one can get me sick. Then, that, then it became all about safety. Do I have money coming in? Can I pay the bills? Do I have a stack of toilet paper in my closet? Yeah. <laughs> and then it became things like love and belonging. I mean, that's a more psychologist territory than economist territory. But I would venture outside of my domain of expertise to say, that's probably where a lot of people are now who, who've been able to you know, rise above the safety needs is they're now in love and belonging, saying things like, man, I feel burnt out. I feel alone. I want to spend time with my friends. I'm, you know, I miss my family. That's yeah. where that's coming from. Very few people in the world are currently at self-actualization where they're worrying about achieving their full potential. So if that's what you're selling, you're actually out of touch. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. So uh, right now you are um, pre-selling this book and mm -hmm. I think you said you got a whole bunch of really great bonuses yeah. uh, for people who pre-order. Can you talk about those for a second? I'd be happy to. So if you go to surviveandthrivebook.com, of course, you can find the book itself on any bookstore. You'll find links to you know, all your favorite bookstores, Amazon, Bookshop, Barnes yeah. & Noble, Books A Million. You found all those there. But when you order that, then you'll also have a chance to claim the bonuses that go with that. So if you order the paperback version, you get the ebook and the audiobook for free, but you also get a companion course called Built to Thrive. This is a video course I created that has a fill-in-the-blank workbook that goes along with the book to help you put this into practice. This is a course that we'll be selling. So right now you can get it for free. So, I mean, that's, yeah. you heard it here first. <laughs> You can go to surviveandthrivebook.com, get a copy of the book, here, which I think the book itself, we've had rave reviews already. It's just really cool to see. This is honestly, Bob, this is me just trying to be part of the solution to all the yeah. problems going on is to say that this book is the playbook where if you know nothing about business, this can help you get started and build a profitable business from scratch. If you already know a lot about business, there's also best, some best practices in here that can help you improve the business you're in. Cool. Yeah, everybody run out and check that out if you're interested in starting a business or you want to do some best practices. But um, yeah, John, appreciate you sharing, taking the time, and um, we'll chat again soon, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, Head over to seedtime.com to get signed up. Knock, knock. Who's there? Leaf. Leaf who? Leave us a review on iTunes, please. <laughs> 
All right, thanks for listening. Know we are praying for you and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>